You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. And again, it is so good to see all of you here on this Christmas Eve. With the holiday rush now behind us, At last, we can put the ordeals of shopping, preparations, and all the rest of the busyness of this season behind us. Tonight becomes silent, and our focus becomes centered on a single decoration, a majestic star that fills the sky and yet points our attention down to earth. We've heard the story of Christmas already through the mouths of our children, but let us listen one more time to the story that draws us together tonight. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. You can follow along in the Bible that's there, or your own Bible, or you can just listen. But this is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who he was pledged to be married to and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him, what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For those of you who are not normally with us or guests are out of town or who are here with your family or friends, through this season of Advent, this time of preparing for Christmas, our community uh, this year has been getting ready for Christmas to prepare for it, to experience it through the eyes of Mary, the mother of our Lord. And tonight, I believe we can continue to benefit from her example If we stop for a second and just kind of place ourselves in what's been happening, Mary's been through a lot in these last few days. 
taking a long road trip from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem, giving birth in a crammed space reserved not for people, but for livestock, and now just entertaining an unexpected visit from a herd of curiously excited shepherds. After all that, and with all that's still to come being the parent of a newborn baby, what Mary probably wants more than anything else is a nap. (laughs) And yet, notice what Luke tells us specifically that she does here. But Mary, Luke writes, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Ponder is a Middle English word first used in the 14th century. It means to weigh in the mind, to consider deeply. In the original language of this passage, the word that's translated ponder um, has this idea of not just considering, but even more than that, putting things together, as we like to say, connecting the dots. And the use of the word heart in the same sentence here gives an emotional overlay to this process as well. So you see, pondering then is not a passive activity. It's decidedly active. To ponder something, in other words, is to to take in what we see or experience and allow it to get inside of us, to shape our character and our will as we work to understand its meaning. And the thing about Mary is she only shows up for a handful of times in the Bible. But if you've never noticed before, on many of those occasions where Mary does make an appearance, we're told she's doing this kind of contemplating. Mary purposefully stops in the thick of all that's happening around her to mull over what the Lord is doing in her life. Such intentional pausing, in fact, appears to have been a practical necessity for Mary enabling her to engage the possibility not only of what the Lord had done, but what the Lord sought to continue to do through her life. And I I highlight this, this one verse that's here in Luke chapter 2, this one part of the Christmas story, because Mary's disposition that's highlighted by Luke here stands out for me in contrast to the way most people tend to react to the Christmas story today. For many... This season, this whole season, really, increasingly seems designed to keep us so impossibly busy and worn out. The infamous holiday rush leaves us too tired and spent to think deeply about the things Mary pondered. And yet, what I want to also point out is that this preoccupied posture is not exclusive to December, is it? More and more in every day of the year, we don't have much room or leave any margin for reflection. Information's always coming at us. Distractions are all around us, constantly tempting us. We've become, in the midst of it all, culturally conditioned to associate busyness with productivity and efficiency. Even though we rarely know why we do what we do. Little space exists for us to stop and think, you know? to engage in being rather than doing. And so I recognize that many of us enter into this holiest of nights physically present, and again, it's good to see you, but not all there. We're so preoccupied, right, with all we still have left to do, or maybe you sit here tonight and you're just plain exhausted from all you had to get done to get here to today, this moment, right? Honestly, you've got nothing left to give. If that's you tonight, running on empty, existing on fumes, allow me to do the pondering for you and hopefully along the way fill you up. And if that's not you, you're doing fine. 
Permit me to offer you food for thought tonight and hopefully leave you with something to chew on. As we sit together in this sacred space quietly, let us briefly ponder. Let me briefly ponder for all of us what happened that night long ago, what it means for all of us, and what our response to it all ought to be. So first, I'd like to ponder what happened. And that might seem like an easy place to start, but I've actually found that once again, too often, this, we greet this event more and more with some indifference, even boredom. I mean, yeah, 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 we know, right? We know, God becomes man, God becomes human. The gift of Christmas is the gift of God for us and with us. We've heard this story so many times before in services and sermons like this one. We know it so well, right? Singing it, listening to Linus tell it to Charlie Brown, seeing the gift tag of this present, the message of the angels plastered in shopping centers and on front lawns that we've lost, the shock and awe of it all. The gift of Jesus may have been the hot ticket 2,000 years ago, but that's so first century. There's nothing new here, right? And yet, tonight, more than 2,000 years later, this singular gift continues to unite millions upon millions of people across the globe. Think about that. Millions upon millions of people across the globe are united because of this gift. And more than 2,000 years later, this gift, as much as we may be old hat to us, bored, we may be bored with it, this singular gift remains still to this day beyond any comparison beyond our comprehension, and even beyond our wildest dreams. We can be here together and we can say that Christmas means, in a single sentence, God became human. But what we profess to believe, what we declare to be true, is a mind-boggling, heart-stopping, game-changing, and history-shifting announcement. If you stop and think at its ultimate core, the Christmas story is seemingly absurd. In an unprecedented and unrepeatable way, this creative, beyond any known dimension, outside of time God, fearfully and wonderfully subjected himself to the limits of our finitude. The boundaries of time and space he created for us. This God who is everlasting and omnipresent willingly minimized and confined divine cosmic supremacy not into the arrival of some towering Herculean giant or some majestic Prometheus but into the coming of a tiny little baby. The God of all ages placed himself into the hands of two peasants becoming not only completely dependent upon their care, but entrusting them with the word made flesh that would end up changing the universe forever. Because after all, the Christmas story is only one small step for man, the first of several decisive movements God makes for humanity. Because the author enters the story with a plan the fulfillment of an age-old promise, a mercy mission to save this broken world once and for all. Unto us this day is not only born a child, but is born a savior. God came down in Jesus Christ with a death wish to love us, 
to forgive us, to heal us, even if it killed him. And it did. We did. But thankfully for us, death could not keep him. He conquered the grave and life was reborn, eternal. Through the babe become man, the crucified Jesus become the resurrected Christ, our heavenly father came running to us, his prodigal children, and offered to carry us home to abundant life here and now and the life that awaits us on the other side of eternity. This is what happened. This is why we're here tonight. This story never gets old. It only becomes boring if we make it smaller than it is or if we take it for granted. We've pondered, I've pondered for us what happened and now I'd like to ponder what this all means, what Christmas means. And first of all, the birth of Jesus brings an end to any debate and speculation about God. Some argue There is no God. Choosing to believe we are alone. Living in a cruel, indifferent universe that has no design or purpose. Where notions of good or evil, right or wrong, are mere delusions. And are instead just a matter of perspective. But the reality of Christmas declares we no longer have to wonder if God is some figment of our imagination because the giver of life has come down to assure us we are not alone. The creator of the universe has shown up through the person of Jesus Christ to show us the way and the truth, to clarify once and for all what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. For example, God coming in the flesh testifies to the goodness of creation. God entering this world in Jesus Christ declares we are not spirits trapped in a material world, but the physicality of life as we know it, as we experience it, is real and it matters. I don't know if you know this, but this was a dramatic overturning about ancient thought about life in the universe back in the day of Jesus. And it's still a dramatic overturning of some corners of philosophical thought today. For the creator to become the created affirms our physicality. This world that we live in, it affirms the delight we take in the beauty and wonder of creation as well as it affirms our obligation to take care of it and to take care of ourselves. The reality of Christmas not only testifies to the goodness of creation, the reality of Christmas also elevates the human experience. The Bible says in the beginning that all human life is sacred because we are created in the image of God. Despite this being said in the beginning, despite this, all human life has not been viewed or valued the same in every age or in every culture. Certain groups of people have been and continue to be perceived as superior to others. Other types of people have been and continue to be treated as property. Still others have been and still to this very day have been deemed so insignificant, so disposable and worthless, we've gotten used to not even seeing them right in front of us. Living and dying at our intersections, by the entrances to our freeways, and sleeping in our local parks and beaches. But divinity wrapped in humanity 
powerfully reinforces the significance and worth of every person. Gold. Gold is valuable to us, but if you've ever stopped to think about it, gold is valuable not because there's something about gold that is intrinsically of great worth. It's valuable because someone values it, because we value it. In a similar way, human beings have worth because we are valued by God who treasures us so much he entered this world to give his life for us. That God came down to take on our flesh, laid the groundwork for our realization of the inherent dignity and value of each person. The reality of Christmas continues to frame and promote our defense of the inalienable rights of every single human being. For God in Christ did not come for one race, for one ethnic group, for one nation or one language. He came to be the savior of every nation on earth, not just for Israel, not just for America, for all the world. Jesus came to be the savior of all people, not just for one skin color, but for all the colors of humanity, not just for the wealthy or the middle class, but for all who hunger and thirst for righteousness for everyone. So you see, to believe in Christmas is to believe every life is precious and should be protected. To believe in Christmas is to believe no one is expendable. Each person should be received like Christ. For the God we encounter in Jesus Christ is not some abstract set of principles or some moral law or idea. The God revealed in Christ at Christmas is relational. This God is not distant or detached. This God gets personal. This God is with us entering into the broken, complicated world in which we live. When God shows up to save the world, get this, when God shows up to save the world, he starts in the messiness of a manger. He shows up in life not as we try to orchestrate it, right? Many of you will have your houses immaculately clean for tomorrow. You are, look great tonight. But God doesn't come in the midst of what we've prepared for, what we've cleaned up. God comes into the messiness of a manger, not as life, life as we try to orchestrate it, but life as it comes, right? Not always neat, not always tidy, not always the way that we planned, but life as it happens. In Christ, this God willingly walks our path experiences our struggles and faces our pain. You see, Christmas reveals the God who says, I love you. I am with you. And puts actions behind that word by cuddling up to us next to us in the cold, in the dark, in the chaos, in the storm. And that's good news. That's good news because, my friends, we all fail sooner or later and usually more than once. We all screw up. <laughs> we all get it wrong. We all lose our way. Oh, we can pretend we're okay. And some of us are very good at pretending we're okay. We can just keep on blaming others. It's their fault. It's them. We can continue to make excuses for our bad behavior. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. But, but, but. We can self-actualize, we can self-discipline, we can self-help all we want. But on our own, by ourselves, even together as the human race, we get nowhere. Human history, 
Apart from God is a tragic song played on repeat. The more things change, the more we modernize, the more we supposedly advance, the more things stay the same. The more we stay basically the same. Together we've fallen and we can't get up. We've stepped in it and we're covered head to toe and we're not getting clean by ourselves. We can look up to heaven all we want. We can continue to search the universe for clues, but none of us can and will get there. Put ourselves right. Be set free, be healed, and be saved on our own. But for God to come down, to choose in Jesus Christ to be a participant in the great drama of human history reveals the lengths he is willing to go to put things right, to put us right. The reality of Christmas declares that God is not only with us, but God is for us. God comes to us as we are. God comes to you as you are. God comes to us as we are, not the people we're trying to be. God doesn't come to us as the people we've promised to be. God doesn't come to us even as the, very, the people we very badly want to be. God comes to us as we are, the families we are, the congregations we are, the communities we are. The nation and the world we are. God draws near to us in Christ as we are, not to condemn us, but to forgive us, to redeem us as we are. But the full gift of Christmas, and this often gets missed, it's like a gift that we don't fully unwrap, but the full gift of Christmas is that through Jesus, God doesn't just come to us as we are, God doesn't just leave us as we are, but God shows us and enables us to become our best and true selves. Not who the world tells you that you are, not who you tell yourself you can be, but who you were created to be, who you are destined to fully become in Christ. We've pondered what happened. I've pondered for you what this means. And as we ponder just for a moment, our response to all this, I want to acknowledge something that doesn't get acknowledged a lot at Christmas, is that I want to acknowledge that I realize this time of year can be hard for many of us. You know, it's something about Christmas falling on December 25th near the end of one year and the beginning of another has this way of causing us to be very mindful of our past and at the same time, very mindful of our present. On that precipice between the past and the present and the future that's before us, for some of us, this can be a very difficult place to be. Because the past, or maybe even the present, just seems to hang over us and overshadow any joy, any expectation we have. You know, it's in this space of Christmas where more acutely than any other time, we can remember our mistakes we can start to relive our regrets. We can dwell on our misfortunes, even as in, at the same time we're trying to hide our shame, our guilt, our grief, and make jolly like everybody else. And I want you to hear that I know for some of us in this season where we relentlessly sing of peace and goodwill towards others, it can be hard when you're not feeling goodwill, when you're not at peace with yourself. But I want you to hear tonight the story and meaning of Christmas. God, our Father's assurance to you that no matter what you've done, where you've been, no matter how far you've gone, no matter where you find yourself tonight, 
God is with you and for you. God in Jesus Christ doesn't just find a way to you. God has made a way to you. Talk isn't cheap as the word becomes flesh to make all things new, including you, including you. For the reality of what we are about today, the reality of what we celebrate is so much more than we ask for or settle for at Christmas. It's more than a pair of new socks. It's more than a few days off of work. The true gift of Christmas is a fresh start and a new life. Do you come tonight and claim that promise? Do you want a fresh start? Do you want a new life? Then God has come in Christ to give you just that. My friends, as we ponder our response to this, let us all agree that Christmas without Jesus is just a bunch of twinkling lights and ornate decorations. All outer sign with no inner reality. If the manger is empty, there is no Christmas. We have no basis. We have no justification. We have no reason for all our merrymaking and glad tidings. You can ask Santa for all the gifts in the world, but this is the one gift the man in the red suit can't deliver. Only God could, and only God has. When we could not get to God, God came to us in Christ fully, openly, and unreservedly. Naked, God came into this world at Bethlehem, and naked, God gave himself for all the world on a hill called Calvary. And then, through an empty tomb, his resurrection, God delivered the gift of abundant and everlasting life. No other gift has this kind of shelf life. No other gift has the shelf life of eternity. Everything else, all the decorations and trappings, the glitz and the glitter, ultimately fade and disappear. All other gifts eventually break, need new batteries, become obsolete, or just fall apart. But not this gift. This is the gift that keeps on giving to a world still struggling with darkness, still struggling with violence, still struggling with shame and fear as much as it did for a pregnant, unwed teenage girl 2,000 years ago. And so like Mary, as we sit in sacred silence and breathe the deep breath of blessing, let us continue to ponder and treasure in our hearts this story this gospel, and together realize God is not done. We are not yet what we have been called to be. This world is not yet all that it will become, but his mercies are new every morning. The gift of Christmas may be more than 2,000 years old, but we have only just begun to unwrap this God who comes bundled to us in swaddling clothes. Whether we are ready or not, whether we are aware or not, whether we are able or not, whether we are present or not, whether we believe or not, God comes down to us in Jesus Christ again. Christ is coming. Christ is coming down the continual detours of our doubt. Christ comes as faith, faith that can move mountains. Down the rough road of our fear, Christ comes as peace, peace that passes all understanding. Down the changing lanes of our fidelity, Christ comes as forgiveness, absolute forgiveness that is ours even when we haven't even asked for it. Down the tired, beaten path of our logic, God comes as grace, amazing grace that is unexpected and undeserved. 
down the broken byways of our heart, God comes as love. Unconditional love that makes us more than conquerors. Down the long ages of despair, God comes as hope. Eternal hope that does not disappoint. This is Christmas. This is what it's all about. This is what it means. This is what we must ponder again and again until it changes us, until it changes our character and will. Tonight, I wish all of you a blessed and Merry Christmas to those you love, to those you are gathering with tomorrow. And I pray that as we ponder the glory of heaven that fills our souls this night, that Christ would be born anew in each and every one of us. Amen.